0: Shinto is by the way.
1: Shinto? Well, look, Shinto is good. You're talking to somebody who runs uh, an, an acro pseudo Buddhist, what are we like, Uta post Catholic household sometimes. So, I mean, like, whatever it is, <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm joking. I'm on papers, I'm Christian, yeah, <laughs> and don't even go to church, so don't worry.
1: We'll just leave that in, that's fine. Um, (laughs) All right, so good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, folks. Welcome to Karate Without Belts. I just dropped something on the floor. My name is John, and I am joined by Chris. Chris, how are you, sir?
0: Hi, Jonathan. Very nice to be here. I'm happy and looking forward to this conversation.
1: Yes, indeed. You're actually... I'm not sure how this is going to necessarily break down chronologically, canon-wise, in the podcast, but at least... For me today, you're the second pot podcast I've done in one day. Oh, yes, cool. Very early in the morning and then one very late at night. For you, I know it's kind of regular time, like just a little earlier in the morning. So my brain's a little fried, but that's all right. We're going to see where this goes. So, So Chris, you are hailing from currently the States. I'm in Japan. So yet again, this is a podcast done locationally distant, but our hearts are in the same room it is and now
0: also our interests point to the same goal
1: indeed i think we didn't really start communicating until about a month ago until um you we christened uh, ugen tv so i think if is any way i can introduce you is you are the uh, tech mastermind behind our uh, new platform bujin tv so to give a little bit of a plug i try to plug it kind of under the cover every episode okay i don't try to be like everybody subscribe to bujin tv but i more of a i'm more of just like you know this is the great thing called bujin yeah yeah it'll just canonize itself within within the podcast
0: It's fine how it's developing. The the people we are gathering and the interest in the community is growing so fast, and it's overwhelming to tell you the truth. And the kind of friendship we are developing during this month and a half, it's been amazing. So, if anything, we are like a community platform and aiming towards um, the martial art knowledge.
1: Yeah, and I think that's which is one thing we, we were talking about and something we kind of talked about kind of more criticized a little more on the podcast. But um, we were talking when we were talking kind of off air, we were talking about kind of how, you know, with this christening of a kind of a new, new frontier, as it were, uh, especially with what's going on in the world right now, just seeing how technology has made its impacts in martial arts, and I don't know. I feel like when we say technology, we can mean a lot of things, right?
0: In, indeed, indeed. Um, so, um, I've been working remotely for the last four to five years, so for me, oh, wow. it, it didn't change anything. But this year, uh, with COVID and since sensei's how they needed. To adjust them, uh, themselves and accept technology as a part of their new reality, it is quite interesting. Also, um, Bujin project uh, was formed before the COVID time, but uh, during COVID was when we really pushed it forward and launched it. And also, People uh, bringing their material, so we found out there is so much material on the internet, or even with uh, offline, that people just want to to show and to share with the public that it's been it's been great. And and also, I had my first share of online teaching and online receiving classes, and and well, everybody needed to adjust to this new reality. So I found this incredibly interesting.
1: Yeah, and I think. Well what's interesting is, yeah the main the main way we go about this, we talk about technology, you know we, when we think about it right now, we think about it like video and video lessons, right? This is our current paradigm, right? We like vid- something to do with the, uh, screen time, right? And I feel if we rolled back even 10 years, we wouldn't be talking about it in terms of that. I feel we would be talking about it's something especially has gone on in, in groups I've participated in is video. Do you have that on video? Do you have this on video? Did you catch it or it didn't happen or it's lost? Or did you get it on the nine millimeter film? And I remember what, my first interaction with it um, kind of, Roll back to an origin point was a probably 1996 shoulder cam that I some uncle of mine just kind of bequeathed on to me. Probably by the time this stuff had actually gone out of date, and probably the early 2000s. And I remember just 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 going to seminars and just everyone had like very you know uh, handheld camcorders at that time and I was just, just, just like boom <laughs> shoulder cams and everyone's like did he come out of a time machine from the 80s
0: <laughs> was it a super uh,
1: 8 no, a- no, no. god I wish it was um <laughs> I, for, I knew I could just do regular VHS's on there um oh so that was super convenient but this was also the exact time YouTube was coming to the fore wait a minute I have cassette tape and computer
0: how do I merge? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I gonna... But, do you know, that, that, is, that is something people do to get the technique, right? To, de- to, to try to get and repeat the karate technique. And, yes, if, if we speak technology as only seeing something on screen, there is a limitation there because, well, we're trying to push, and I will say push the boundaries, but I'm just being self-promoting. But, basically, we are limited. We can speak in... Um, uh, computer screen, or we can speak about uh, mobile screen. And in any case, we are talking about mobility. But right. what we are really, really looking forward is to try to merge the, and to preserve the techniques. And we are exploring ways through uh, augmented reality and virtual reality to try compare the master movement with the movement you can do. And see how you can improve. So we are starting to experiment in that in that path.
1: Right, and I think when we when we're talking about video, we don't have the, you, our limit is at least in that in this regard, in, at least in this regard, we only really have, we do not have a kind of three D model, as it were, right, with motion and movement. We only kind of have a two D model right? We kind of have whatever the camera is really going to be able to show you. And I remember when I was filming, you know, not forms necessarily, but when people were doing, you know, partner drills, this was the hardest thing to really catch on in, in terms of these, this medium. Because I think a form, you can, you can kind of place yourself in the form, right? and go left right center wherever but when you have it have a some like someone doing a technique even a basic partner drill there's angles and ways people move and most importantly like weight how people weigh themselves forward backwards however and feeling that you don't get from just watching a tape you can kind of see it but you know it's different even if you are just in the room with the person as opposed to seeing it on a video. So I guess what I'm trying to get at here is that camera technology, its advancements, wherever it goes, you know, it, there's some things it can't necessarily replace as it stands, right?
0: It doesn't replace it, but it allows um, the tradition to continue into the future. But what happens once the masters die? So well, we get new masters, but... Uh, and we get new patri- practitioners but it is always nice to have uh, a good record or how things were done right now how many videos are we seeing from 1930s and 1940s and everybody dig into those videos to understand how karate was back then mm-hmm. and now you can see how different karate is now from what really how really was born so uh, to keep so to keep it to keep a record and people be able to study it in the future i believe is quite interesting
1: well and i think that that raises kind of a, a interesting intellectual point do you think i don't know to say the world goes up i don't know there's some war or some natural disaster or whatever and we just lose a bunch of people not to say that we want this situation to ever happen but as theoretical from our ability to, to record this, do you think someone can, you know, enterprising people, people who are really dedicated, could use this information to kind of whole cloth reconstruct an art?
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, people um, are reconstructing uh, Shuri Castle from images. I mean, they did a 3D model based on images taken from all over the place. Right. right from the tourists, right? So imagine if there were no blueprints of the castle with this technology they will be able to replicate uh, the whole structure using that technology which i find amazing
1: so you think they can do that with a martial art
0: yeah for sure Uh, how many well not to go very deep but on the latest star wars episode um, princess leia um, actress already died and uh, they generate all the um, acting from other files so replicate easily
1: okay well and, and i think that goes into how much of how many artifacts do we need video and otherwise from a technology perspective to actually rebuild something like what would be the essence of what would how much would we need to capture what percentage of something would we need to capture to actually rebuild an art like let's say it's a kata right When i practice that i know a lot of people don't practice is shi. we have this and say I died and everyone else died and all our videos of us doing she somehow got destroyed. <laughs> but uh, that grainy footage of Mr. Nakamura doing it survived. Do you think from that we could have re- we could save that Kata?
0: Some version of it I, we might. I mean there is technology that traces uh, the body movement so as long as we can trace the body movements then we could be able to replicate in a 3D model or whatever we want to do with it. In any case, I believe this is getting very geeky. Uh, well, we will need, for sure, we will not need a VHS cam for sure. Uh, maybe several several cams, uh, body body motion sensors and some tracking software that will allow to create a barebound models of how people move. And from there, we could not only replicate the form, but also Make camera movements and see how the thrills or the kata goes in, depending on the angles.
1: Because we hear kata is generally, it, you know, a lot of people describe kata in a lot of different ways, but the one thing that they describe kata as is is exactly as you were saying, a blueprint. So, yes. I think w- an interesting thought experiment, and I think possibly later on we could do something like this, is to literally trade to. Biometric Akata, or to like somehow get that uh, imaging of Akata to the point where the two Dness of like just a regular video could be overcome in kind of a three D way. That is a nice project. That
0: that is something. Well, that is that is where we are thinking long term, actually.
1: Yeah, and I think that's like in terms of documentation. I think that's maybe possible. Next level stuff. I'm not sure if that's even possible to do at this point. Yeah, it,
0: uh, it is recent have you seen have you seen the concert the michael jackson concert where they play a hologram of michael jackson dancing and it, it looked really really real
1: i only saw them make fun of that on south park <laughs> okay I, close I, enough I'm, from reality okay i've <laughs> actually getting- <laughs> I I cannot I cannot. The only my only interactions with that is is that, and then they did some prints thing in the Super Bowl two years ago. And a kid okay. I was with at the time is like, "Who is that guy? And why is it, why is it on a football stadium?" Uh,
0: <laughs> well, I'm quite sure a South Park producer did a deep research on deep research. how this how how the technology worked, so we can use that as study material.
1: Yeah, I and. I I think the, that would be an interesting way to kind of see technology, you know. We we and the reason I bring this up, and I bring this up with technology, is that I don't know how in in your circles how much you've heard this, but in in circles I've traveled in, I hear this almost far too often to the point where I feel like there's a thing that I'm missing, is that well, it's going to die. It's all going to die. We're going to lose everything, you know, because of you know too much kata or too many variations on something or too many exercises or something like that. And everyone's worried about preservation, but no one's teaching, or the people are being really selective about who they're teaching or whatever, which is kind of the antithesis of preservation. So.
0: Hmm. That that was interesting approach. I don't think anything's gonna die, but what I've realized uh, attending in different forums and stuff is people want to go backwards. People want to go backwards and people want to own uh, a truth and my version of the truth that I can live with is that <sighs> there is a point before uh, second, uh, World War II and there is a point afterwards and before that um, everything was kind of merged and all the masters said that there is only one Karate and what differed from each other was how they teach it. you Mas- um, Miyagi Sensei said that, right? Right. And, and so people know this is like the truth, we come from China. And then, okay, after everybody accept uh, it comes fr- from China, they want to see from which part of China or from which temple and it, it, to get to the absolute truth. And the, the, the more we go in the past, the blurrier it gets. So I believe it's become I mean a pointless conversation. Yeah. And also, what does it mean that you know more about karate history than I do? It means absolutely nothing. And do we practice a karate the same way they practiced one century ago? At the beginning of the podcast, I said we don't. Actually, we we are very far away from what, what they teach uh, at that time. So I believe it's a pointless conversation. And it, it's not going to die. It's
1: going to evolve. Right. And I think um, with kind of what the people group I was referring to was they, uh, or I don't even think it's that group. It's it's more people who are less open. They're less open to having their things things learned. I've worked with people who said, "Don't ever put this on, you know, X Y Z platform. Don't ever, don't let this be shown in public." Mm, mm, okay. Which I think, to a degree, you know, everyone has the right to privacy. People don't want stuff shown everyone's got a right to that but well
0: I, I would say like they want to keep their copyright of their training the way they train or yeah. it's like a secret killing technique
1: i think it's 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 more with some folk i've worked with it's it's less about like either secret killing technique or copyright even though this, there's been odd trademark stuff launched around it but it's been more like well there's this kata that we do okay there's a kata that you do we don't want people videoing it. Why? We want them to learn it, okay? But we don't want them videoing it. Well, how are they gonna remember it if they forget? Some- oh, they can video it, but they can't show it in public. Yeah. Fair enough, right? Like that's, that's fair, but again, the video won't, will only show you a certain angle at a certain time. Even if you get multiple angles of it, you, you have to put that together in a weird way. And it depends how good you are at putting together a video right and integrating that into your training which i feel this is this is inevitably especially if people are worried about preservation is inevitably going to have to be linked into training somehow and i don't think you know when you walk into a dojo you know they'll train you in every which way but in terms of being able to read something off of a video and copy those motions i think where why everyone is so kind of about it now is because they never learned how to do that. They're so, it's so unfamiliar to them that you, that's why they're getting all antsy about like Zoom training and stuff like that.
0: Well, uh, you know, one of them, it happened with my, with my student or it happened in some competition I've been there. And for example, it happened with the latest WKF Katas, Ohandai, for example. People are learning Ohandai from Ryokyuna performance in X or Y competition. Right. Number one, q is super fast. It is, uh, so the camera is not able to pick all his movements. And you see uh, in the competition, you see people replicating like 80% of the movement. And, and everyone has their own version of that movement. And judge, I don't know how judges can even judge if that is w- well done or not. Because the way I learned, oh, and I, I, I had to travel to a seminar. And they really teach me slowly, a real, radio seminar, by the way. So they teach me slowly, oh, this movement is like this. And you, want, you will see on a <clears throat> competition video, like, vroom, hey, what happened there? It happened this. And on the competition, you are not able to see that. You just see a lot of adrenaline and a lot of strength and speed. But you don't see the innards of the kata. So once you learn the kata, keep it by yourself, I don't think, in that in that sense it will die i'm sorry about the dogs
1: oh no are you kidding me this is the the this is a this is a welcome callback call we've had dogs on this podcast several times <laughs> their canine friends are always welcome so okay okay
0: i'm happy to know that we are in that dog friendly podcast
1: of course if you're not in the dog friendly podcast what are you doing um, See?
0: Karate without bells. Your exactly. okay. dog friendly podcast. Exactly,
1: dog friendly. Adopt, don't shop. Even despite the fact I had to buy a dog one time. Um, he's a good, he's a good guy. I mean, he just not He's just not with me right now. He has he been on the podcast about five, six times, seven um, times, maybe. I don't know.
0: If I open that door, it's gonna be a book here. What breed? Uh, we. I have a Labrador and a Jack Russell.
1: Labradors are, the, are great. Jack Russells are good too.
0: Yeah, Jack Russell have a, a temper.
1: Yeah, you're talking about like like the, the fun one and the angry one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which I feel is, is, is how, that's also I feel like how karate people are sometimes is you have the angry one and the fun one. <laughs> and you have the serious one and normally they're the ones who are running the show. But if you have the angry one or the fun one running the show, it's probably not a good idea.
0: <laughs> so you wanted to, to talk about about some some other stuff right
1: yeah i mean i think that's what's interesting with kind of getting into technology is how we're kind of crossing over a lot of barriers and what i didn't realize is you know when we kind of started this community recently is that how many people in different parts of the world are actually doing karate like in my mind, we were even just joking before we started. It's just like who is listening to a podcast in like Yugoslavia or whatever? Well, there's karate in Yugoslavia, right? There's karate in it like is. practically every other part of the world. But from, a, I guess, a US based perspective, right? We, you know, it's always the, there's a binary thought because of the US army having bases in Okinawa. It's always, well, we were we won the war, and then we stayed in Okinawa, and then we picked up the karate and then brought it over to America. And like, we're not thinking about any anywhere else in the world. It's just Okinawa, Japan, and then the U.S. And then automatically, that means the world. And to a degree, to a degree, I think Okinawa adopts this view as well.
0: That is interesting. So, do you think you are like the natural natural hay, hayers of karate?
1: To a degree. I mean, I don't think that's the case, but I think it's definitely been something that's been overly adopted, you know, with kind of what's going on with multimedia at this time with like Cobra Kai and all that and Karate Kid kind of has established deeply, like into the 80s established that karate is also an American thing. I don't necessarily agree with that, but that's certainly become something, you know, a certain Hmm. sentiment, I think. And I think from, from, I guess we can kind of jump from this, to te- jump on this technology perspective. Do you feel that karate has reached a worldwide perspective and that how this technology is actually gonna bring us closer together with people who we may or probably have never interacted with? Well,
0: yeah, uh, karate is a worldwide phenomenon uh, for sure. Uh, the technology, however, brings well, it makes it easier to the people to see different branches of karate or different approaches to a martial arts. But it, And we all want to bring people together, but I believe bringing people together is going to be a challenge because we are going to face so many walls. Like, this is not how Jordana Guket's done. You are doing Joruchu wrong, or because I was taught this way. And having people open their minds uh, and see well, this is not the only way what really matters is, is the concept of the movement, and what the way you want to the way you want to defend is what uh it doesn't matter as long as you defend or yourself that's the real that's the real challenge but within the within the Bougie community, we spoke during the weekend and then I had the chance to speak to some other content partners and there was this New Zealand sensei he told me a very beautiful phrase. He told me, karate is not about death. Karate is about life. So I would say karate is about friendship. It's about, we are hard in our body because we're trying to be hard and to be effective. But the the more we train, the softer we need to to have our heart and be more open to other, to other opinions and to other cultures. So I truly believe Japanese have been Really generous on sharing these, um, this beautiful art to the world. Even if they keep some secret techniques or some secret bunkai to themselves, what they have shared, yeah. it's great. And 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 you and you see, I mean, when you meet somebody who's first dan, the first thing they told you, "Oh, I'm a karate first dan," or "I'm a karate second dan." And when you meet a master. You, they they don't say anything and you will say um, he will teach me the secret eye killing technique no they teach you about kindness and gentleness and and be
1: open so that's I what learn I take. eye killing technique don't you know it I don't I, did you learn it I didn't I can tell you man all right good thank God
0: definitely I'm gonna do it
1: ready ready what what the technique oh God ah you have to do it quickly go oh thank God told you See? I told you also this is an audio told program you. so you don't so our, our audience doesn't know what's going on <laughs> that, that's why I showed it to you this is gonna be our spin-off podcast from karate without belts audio plays starring Christian <laughs> so uh, you were you
0: were curious about the perspective uh, changing on, on, on countries and and I, I didn't think Think that that would be such a theme, but now that you start talking about how you guys see karate, it 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 you got me curious because I had the chance to to teach in U.S. in the U.S. I teach there, and there is a huge difference between let's say American kids and Venezuelan kids approach to karate. Actually, um, there is a difference between Miami-based kids and let's say I never teach somebody from Pennsylvania, but I'm 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 quite sure there is a difference between those kids and, the, and Pennsylvania ones.
1: Well, one has 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 alligators, one doesn't. I always t- tend to tell my Japanese kids and like, yes, America has alligator problems. They come up through the toilet, and they're like, <laughs> what? I'm like, yeah. So don't go to America. Um, but I mean, my what is interesting is in my perspective of, of this is and it definitely d- depends on where you are. But from kind of the Philadelphia perspective that I have is that Philadelphia always has this very skeptical view of everything. We're always I, we're kind of characterized as angry, but it, we're more cynical in terms of our perspective on things. So like when it comes to karate and stuff like that, there's Ninth towns who've lived in uh, Philadelphia. And they're kind of under, under the radar completely. For like what?
0: Um,
1: I forget. One died actually this year of COVID. So I need to, to oh. do my research. And I'm going to drop it in here when I do the edit of who I'm talking about because I know this happened. Teruyuki Okazaki to keep this more informative. So unfortunately you'll have to listen to the whole podcast to find, I'll, I'll, I'll timeshare the the code, but Philadelphia has had this kind of under the, the hood, you know, influx of karate people, but there's always been this kind of cynical view of it. Partially kind of just kind of the scrappy nature of the place, but also just because of, you know, we, we don't, it's like kind of a put up or shut up, attitude you know what is this really going to do Uh, am I really going to be able to make this work It's kind of this attitude that philadelphians tend to have not all the time and that doesn't mean they're not kind people but when it comes to approaching something new or something that may seem foreign I mean even though I just said you know Americans have kind of adopted a karate it's still seen as this perpetual foreign thing which is not good but that is because you have rocky that's all, but you see, Rocky was nice to people like, relatively nice to people. I mean, he was mean about the boxing, but um, he
0: was a boxer. I mean, Philadelphia is a boxing city, it's not a karate city,
1: true, true. Even though I, I think we have more in common with Okinawa than uh, we, we tend to lead on, but in terms of the, of the attitude, not necessarily in the cynicality, but which just more of the kind of more laid backness, so kind of to give that perspective, right, of where I'm from and kind of how people approach things. But then, you know, you teach, I've seen other people from like New Zealand, for example, or even England, they approach it in a much more like clinical sort of way, in a more analytical sort of way, where I haven't seen people in where I'm from really do that. And they kind of more approach it as, uh, you know, what is this doing as opposed to how is this gonna work? So I'm interested in kind of what your perspective Hmm. is.
0: Okay. So if you make me choose one, I would say that people that really goes into karate in Venezuela are really uh, leaning towards competition karate. Okay. So they mix it with uh, training, physical training, and then train obsessively. And the competition level in Venezuela is... Very, very high. And that is due to the fact that we have we have Antonio Diaz, which was two times World Champion Kata. And also we have another champion, and I'm so sorry, I don't remember her name. Uh, Let me know and we'll drop it in during the edit. Yeah, well, well I believe she was 2010 Kata, Kata World Champion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I don't remember her name, but we have a female Cata World Champion as well. And also on Comité, we are really, 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 really good people. Really good fighters.
1: So you guys just have this, this legacy reputation in that regard, where you take that very seriously. Now, do you think that's part and parcel just with the Venezuelan attitude and Venezuelan culture? Or do you think that's just that particular style of karate that's popular where you are?
0: Well, I will say that first, Japanese culture is like the antithesis of Venezuelan culture. Venezuelans are Caribbean people. So they like to dance, they like to joke. They are very happy people. And they make fun of everything. So it's not like, ah, we like karate because it aligns with our values. Uh, people that gets into karate and really dig into it is because they like discipline but there are not everybody like ah i do karate although there is a huge karate user base down here and out of that as in any other country there is a pyramid and only the top 10 percent is really good the other one is do- dojo practitioners but uh, you always find somebody who said oh i train karate and it's Really into them, part of the culture in Venezuela.
1: Okay. Okay. I feel that that, even though Japanese culture might not necessarily swing that way, uh, Okinawan culture will probably get along pretty well in Venezuela. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. In, in, indeed. Yeah, I can talk to you about the other Kempo, not necessarily the karate Kempo, but more of the uh, drinking Kempo.
0: <laughs> Drink hard.
1: It, it involves a bowl and, and many people drinking from it, which I think from now on will probably go away, oh. unfortunately. That speaks to, to something else, too, where there's, even if your culture is a lot more laid like back and loose, that there is still something innate with people who want to try to strive and go towards competition... They have to inevitably put that part of themselves away in order to get them to get to achieve a goal that's right so but
0: but they they laugh and they're not super they are serious in the tatami and they are serious when they're training but being laid back is part of being venezuelan so we might joke each other we, we no problem with that but when it's time to compete it's time to compete
1: and where do you feel that that might be different from, let's say, where you teach in Miami? Teaching in Miami?
0: That in Miami, they feel karate is a little bit more like an after hours activity. So here, when you try to establish discipline and teach discipline, the kids will line up, for example. Right. And, and you can, in Miami, oh, it's a problem. The the first problem you know you don't know whether if to to jail them in Spanish or in English. That would be the first problem you need to overcome.
1: Basic <laughs> but, communication.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Oye oh, yeah, mijito, oh, get here and put in line. if You need to 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 talk into languages there. are gonna say.
1: You're speaking <laughs> Japanese, isn't it?
0: And uh, be straight, and and yeah, that in. In the US, I see karate more like an after-hour activity. Although in Miami, since there are so many immigrants from Venezuela, there is a huge dojo. There are, there are many dojos there who try to be very disciplined. And those are the ones that are trying to go to competitions and they have done like, not only Venezuelan dojos, but there is in Miami, like a small Miami regional league for competition, where they have their own calendar, it's very nice. There is some very nice movement, karate movement, down there in Miami.
1: Okay, I think in in reaching kind of a, around the world, as it were, um, in terms of you know the communication through technology, and then kind of cross culturally, because I think inevitably this is something we kind of default have to go to that uh, training mindset from a pseudo-Japanese perspective, but then we all bring our own background to it, right? So we're bringing Venezuelan or Philadelphian or Mimian or Okinawan perspective to it or whatever mix they're in. Do you feel kind of going into the future with our communication technology with where things are going, and hopefully things will get better to the point where you and me can be on the floor together at some point, actually training. <laughs> hopefully, um, sooner than later. But um, do you feel this will maybe... this Our forms of communication now with social media and even just Zoom training, will that make when we actually go live with each other in real life, easier? Or do you think that will make things harder or do you think that'll just make things just the way they are? Hmm.
0: Here's the funny part. So when we were speaking before recording, we had another, a different tone when we push the record button and we start the program then we got into program mode and we change some kind of the, the way we speak when we see each other one, one, one thing as i told you i'm really used to working remotely right. and normally the the angle you see it's the angle we are looking at ourselves, like zenithal uh, angle right right and i'm not a huge guy i'm only five seven and seeing people hide is something that really struck me. Oh, I thought you were higher or taller or shorter. Or I don't know. That, that's,
1: you looked that's, bigger that. on TV.
0: You looked, yeah. Uh, and, or smaller on TV. But that is the first that really takes me. But afterwards, it's the essence. We communicate through the essence. So I don't think anything will change. If anything, it will bring barriers down.
1: And I think, I think that's the positive. A lot of people want to point out the negative. And I think that's the positives of having that ability now. And I think we don't, we're so stuck now. And I think we're, we're even pandemic, no pandemic, right? We're so stuck and just, oh, everyone's on their phone. Everyone's behind the computer. It is not that far away from just being able to take that second step, right? I mean, travel accommodations aside, not that hard to take a second step and just be like well we're on the floor together we're hanging out. we're having a good time and i think what i've i've had i'm my myself me me myself um i'm in a fairly re- remote location even though i don't work remotely um social media is how i communicate with a lot of people it's almost my sole means of doing that in some ways I feel even if I meet somebody once and I can develop a decent rapport with them, vis a vis social media, it it shapes the relationship in an interesting way that I don't think prior to that or prior to that ability to have that communication, and we're able to share quickly our training with that with with each other in a way we would never been able to before. So I think. You know, the further we keep, even even through language barriers and culture, the more we keep that up, the past any global problems, the stronger we'll, the stronger we'll come out as a community.
0: We will become a smaller world. Uh, so last year I was in Okinawa in this seminar and there were people from all over, all over the place. So one thing that really, one of my defects is that I forget, forgot names right away. Um, I can remember your face, I can remember that you are from Philadelphia, that you run a podcast, but at some point I'm sure I'm going to forget your name. It it is my mind does not record names, that is. So the way I use to remember people is calling them by the country. So I do remember I met wonderful people from Scotland or wonderful people from Poland and and we mingle together and I will say, Scotland, come here, Poland, come over here. And um, you will see that we share not only karate but a huge part of our value. Humanity shares a lot of values, more than people think. And there Mm -hmm. is just a few stuff that make us different or, or yeah, that make us different. So as long as we agree on the basic values and everybody agrees. Almost everybody agrees on those. People tend, tend to get along nicely.
1: Yeah. And I think karate, sometimes those values kind of get lost in the sauce. but Or at least the, the karate values, right? People well, will say them, but they won't necessarily know what they mean or even...
0: Well, would you say a karate value is to try to make your body stronger?
1: I think that... I think. That, that will go that kind of goes without saying right so uh,
0: would you say that karate will make you more disciplined people person
1: hopefully not always but
0: but it's a value right
1: right it is a value
0: mm. would you say that you train because you want to go higher in your
1: degree Well you're talking to the one person who's probably thrown out that idea but yes I want to get get higher in my skill <laughs>
0: okay well you you want to get better i want to get better right so there are three values where i'm a
1: sick man i'm a sick man chris i need to get better (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah and i would agree those and i think even like dojo kun right or kokoroye or rules or whatever i think those tend to fall on the side when you just kind of have those more like those are kind of that's kind of the flesh that's kind of maybe the meat that we like to say but the bones are the, kind of the same so i and i think you're right in saying you know you could have a bunch of people from all over the world barely speak each other barely able to linguistically communicate right but the, the bones are the same then it's you have a much easier launching point so
0: yeah and that, that is something you just said at the beginning of the podcast we only met for like a month and uh, I already feel you as my friend yeah and we have shared some laughs and and
1: yeah you Chris took the best picture I've ever had of myself and I is now on my Facebook profile and <laughs> <laughs> will probably be for a long time and I didn't know and it the thing I was like just the it's interesting things like that I was just like I kind of thought you were a much more serious minded person. And then suddenly shot that photo to me during a conversation, during a quote unquote business meeting. And I was like, oh, right. I like this guy.
0: <laughs> Not that I wasn't focused there, but I just saw it and grabbed it. It's, multi-
1: it's multitasking. It's multitasking. Yeah. That's all it is. That's right. That's right. The perks of,
0: of having two, two monitors. Oh,
1: I think I'd kill for that. Uh, I, I had a one of my old roommates who was also a karate student of mine showed me how that worked and I've never had a, a tower um, not since I was probably 16 when it was like the old like Windows 98 towers. Um, okay, so that's the dream one day is to have a tower and two monitors and just be able to alternate between them. So, oh, I'm, I'm going for probably after
0: like, you do that there is no going back
1: maybe five monitors something where like i'm trying to like find jason Bourne. <laughs> but yeah i think you know communication through, communication and again kind of the bones of karate through you know global global connection i think that, i think that's probably where we where we landed on as a topic
0: Yes, and, and the use of technology to improve the communication and to, and to share the knowledge. I, I, I believe there is a message I would like to leave is that technology will help to preserve the knowledge and will have to share the knowledge in different ways. It's not, it's not only videos. It might be augmented reality or virtual reality or as well with these fitness watches. There, there are some stuff we could do and, and improve the our training, for example, and that is through the use of technology or being able to reach X or Y master just by shooting him, shooting them an, an email. And hope, hopefully they will reply you back. And that will open so many, so many doors. There. Whereas 10, 15 years ago, your first window or your first door to karate was your sensei, which is a guy, but and no they have all the reality or know everything about karate. And with these tools, you, you can investigate yourself and really have a bigger picture of what karate was and is.
1: And I think that's the, that's almost the scary thing for a lot of them is that um, a lot of teachers, a lot of people who've been teaching for a while and are rigid in their, their way of teaching, their way of thinking, is the moment they've seen, like YouTube happened, I'm probably sure a lot of them were either very cynical of it or very scared by it. I mean, possibly both. Because suddenly, like, wait, everyone's putting their stuff up. I can see all of this, which I think was probably a shock to the culture. But like, the moment we kind of reeled back and been like, OK, how can we use this? How can we better ourselves through it, right? So I think. You know,
0: this is something I do. I see kihon from, all, from, 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 Hikihons from different places. Right. And if I see a Amashitabu practitioner, or a real real, UADU practitioner. If I see a Shotokan um, Kihon, I'll try to see how to implement it into my style. If I cannot, I just do the the Shotokan Kihon. That might help me to reach something I'm striving for.
1: And that's not a bad thing. Because, I mean, um, just because you're not in the room physically with someone, talking to that person, communicating with them. I mean, this is the thing we don't understand when we take a video. You don't know who's going to see it. You don't know who you're helping like you don't you don't you don't know who's taking a well, picture of you Like,
0: well you, you have uh, you have a follower in Yugoslavia? ask him to, to send you a letter
1: you know what i should start doing that we're <laughs> opening up the letter box this starting this episode send us in your emails see, see. i did that one in one episode very early on and we did get a response like somebody sent me an email out of, out of you're world. not
0: alone you're not alone in your room <laughs> was it a hate hate email
1: no it wasn't hate email it was actually a actually a different karate podcast um oh. that i have not crossed over with and i haven't made a lot of had a lot of chance to communicate with which i do should probably w- was it honest. that this is let's letter- me what
0: no was it wasn't <laughs>
1: Uh, and and well, the thing is, like Josh, J- Josh, I like to say, our senpai podcast um, was one of the first to publicly pipe up and and be like, these guys are great. It sounds like they're t- they're hitting the makiwara at the same time, and like as they're tra- as they're doing the podcast, I'm like, no, nah, that's my dog barking. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I love that story. I love. It. Oh, well, I think that might be a good place to leave it for this time okay. around. Um, yes. Chris I think you know this has been a really good conversation and I'm just what I like to ask everybody is this week in training what are you working on because I know you are uh, you are punching all the holes for Bujin TV right now but out, outside of that um, and outside of your normal work what you, how is training going what are you doing this week I retook
0: uh, basic sanction training I'm teaching my kids San Shin, and I'm doing like the old school way where I hit them, bam, bam, to fix some, some stances. And because we are preparing to some competition next year, my, my students are in the virtual competition circuit, the sport data and the Tech circuits. So we always keep training. And for myself, yeah. Um Rio so Iriukata really and, and, and I to, to keep myself fit and and yeah, going back to the roots. I'm really into going back to the roots and how to implement that in the in the in the new modern world. So it's like on Cosizhin.
1: Hmm. Always go back, always can re, re, rejuvenate, as it were, right? To see what
0: to try to understand what the master, the old master were looking for and trying to implement that in a
1: modern way. It's kind of that, that phrase that phrase is going around. It's like everything old is new. I don't know if you've seen that or not. Hmm. I don't I have. yeah. Okay. I don't know where it came from, but it was a couple of years back. It's some t-shirt where somebody was smiling. It's like it's had a smiley face and it had like everything old is new. It was kind of freaky to kind of say but I mean, yeah, you can always go back to that and just—I feel like you could constantly go back to that and bring out something new. So
0: that's the idea. Uh, that 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 was my idea, and to bring some difference in the in the training. Otherwise, it gets the same.
1: Yeah, which you don't. Which, if that's the case, then it—you'd end up just being a videotape, being a human videotape on constant playback. Yes. That is, that is right. Cool. Cool. Well, Chris, is there anything you want to kind of leave off on?
0: Uh, I will uh, say thank you for this invitation. I really enjoy it. And as I told you, I really, uh, I heard a lot of your uh, episodes while I'm punching the holes of Wigin TV, as as you said it. And it's a really good company, your podcast. I really enjoy it. Thank you, sir.
1: And we're happy to have you on and we're happy to have you on anytime. So if you you can come up with an idea you want to talk about floor is yours, sir. So thank, thank you. All right. Awesome. Well, thank Chris. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for being on and taking the time out to come on everyone. Stay safe, stay sane. And for, and most importantly, don't forget to keep training.